0: Welcome to livealittlehigher.com. Next week we will be celebrating the holiday of Purim. We will be reading Megillat Esther, the book of Esther, and we will be recounting the story of the Jewish people in the times of the Persian Empire, in which they were almost annihilated by Haman and Ahasperosh. So we see in this story that it's a perfect chain of events which unfolds in the story and the interesting thing is that the name of God is not mentioned anywhere. But what we know is that he is behind the scenes because what we see in this story is complete Ashkaha Pratis, complete divine intervention and one thread connects to the other. So the story is of an orphan girl, an orphan Jewish girl that lives with her uncle Mordecai and she ends up being the queen of of, uh, Persia. She becomes the wife of a Hashperosh and she saves the Jewish people from the wicked Haman. We would think that this story is a very happy story and the end is a glorified end. But in reality the story is not a happy story. It's a story of self-sacrifice, of loss and and lost love. And we're gonna see why. So we see here that in the fourth century eh, the Jews were subject to um, to the Persian Empire. It had been 70 years since the destruction of the first temple, the temple of King Solomon, and the second temple hadn't been rebuilt yet and the prophecy of the temple being rebuilt hadn't occurred yet. So what happened is that King Ahasperosh who had married Vashti who was the granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar who was the one the king that had destroyed the first temple, he he, he was the emperor of the Babylonian Empire had married this guy Ahashberosh. he was not from royal blood he was a self-made man and uh, it had been three years since he had been the king of Persia and he decided to make a beautiful party in which he would invite the whole Persia which was 127 provinces and he would celebrate for 180 days. And he made a lavish party. What was the problem here? The problem was that he used all the holy vessels of the temple. He had stolen them, and they were part of his castle, of his palace, and he used to garb himself with the clothes of the Kohen So, a, a group of people he invited was the Jewish people, and he invited them to his palace. The problem was not that they desecrated the Torah by going to that party, because he fed them kosher food and kosher wine. They were not really transgressing Torah, But what they were transgressing was the love of the Jewish people. And by doing this, they were really creating a Hilul Hashem, a desecration of the name of God. Why is this? Because by Ahasuerus putting all the vessels of the temple in his palace, what he was conveying to the people is that the God of the Jews didn't exist anymore and now he was more important than the God of the Jews. And by the Jewish people going to this party, they were acceding to this uh, idea of King Ahasuerus. So Mordecai, who was at Tzaddik, he pleaded with the Jewish people and he asked, he, he really uh, went to them and cried to them to please not go to this party, which was a complete Hilul Hashem, and that the true intention of this party was to make the Jewish people sin so they would become uh, immune, they would become in uh, their 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 spiritual self, uh, how do you call it, the immune system would be destroyed. So when their immune system would be destroyed then they would be destroyed. And by the Jewish people doing this Hilul Hashem, this desecration of the name of God in a public place, what they were doing was that they were creating the beginning of their end. And um, and we see here that uh, that the whole thing starts to unfold and we see the hand of God moving the, the the pieces Queen Vashti was a beautiful woman and King Ahasuerus, in one of these parties is very drunk and he wants his queen to come out and show herself in her most beautiful way which was naked and some commentaries say that at that day she was not feeling well she had some rash, rash on her skin uh, there's other commentators that say she had grown a tail and some horns Whatever the reason was, she was not in her most beautiful uh, way and she didn't want to come out. So this king, in his uh, drunkenness, decided to kill his queen. And the next day when he woke up and he realized what he had done, it was uh, devastating for him. So Haman decided to bring this idea that the king should marry again and that they should bring all these girls from all the, the empire to come to the castle, to the palace and lived there for for a year and in this way he would try each one out and see which one he liked and in this way he could marry again. So all these girls started coming from every province, one more beautiful than the other. They were groomed, they were dined, they were given beautiful clothes, they were given facials, they were given massages, they were given perfumes. They made them more beautiful than they were. And there was one girl that ended up in the palace who was Esther. Her real name was Hadassah. Hadassah means myrtle. And myrtle is a is a, is a a leaf, is a plant, that has smell but has no taste. And it says that the sense of, of smell is the highest sense of all. It's the one that is connected to our soul, connected to our spiritual self. So this Hadassah Once she came into the the palace, she became Esther, and the name Esther in Hebrew means hidden. So from here we see how everything is hidden, and the truth doesn't come out. Does that sound uh, like something you know in your life, in your personal life? Sometimes we go through things in our life that we don't understand. And the truth is hidden and many, many, many years later we can see the truth looking backwards but in the moment we cannot see it. So this is what happened here and everything was Ashgaha Pratis, everything was by divine interference and if we look at our lives also everything is divine, everything is divine interference, there's nothing random, everything is exact and you are in the place you have to be in the moment you have to be doing what you have to do there's no mistakes in the world so this Esther she comes into the palace and she her uncle Mordechai who was actually her husband too tells her to please hide her identity and don't tell anybody you're a Jewish girl because your life is in danger just tell them that you are part of the whole place like you connect to every province and she Everybody found grace in her. Everybody looked at her and everybody liked her and she was lovable. And she was not the most beautiful girl, but her beauty, her grace, her hanging her was what came out and this is what people loved. She tried very hard to not be the chosen one. She didn't go to all these massages and beauty treatments. She tried to dress very simple and humble. She tried to really not be seen. But nevertheless the king when he saw her he saw the beauty inside and this is the girl he wanted to marry. And this is how Queen Esther came to be. So Queen Esther begins her life in the the palace and a lot of things start happening. Haman decides he wants to kill the Jewish people and he convinces Ahasuerus to give him the the decree that they should be killed. And uh, we see here how Esther really is a person that uh, that exemplifies self-sacrifice. This is what she is. She used to eat kosher in the palace, she used to eat raw vegetables, raw fruit, uh, she had one handmaid for every day, she had seven handmaids so they would never know that she kept Shabbat and she kept herself true to the Torah values and this is self-sacrifice. The other thing that is important to note is that Allahically if a woman is unfaithful to her husband she can never go back to him and in, in this sense she was married to Mordecai but Allah rules that if a woman is taken by another man not because she wants to but but by force, then she is exempt from this alaha. So she was ne- she never went to the king, she was always taken to him. So by this means she always had the the dream that she would be able to come back to Mordehai. Uh, sadly, this is not what happened. So her love for the Jewish people was so intense, so intense that she was able to rel- relinquish her spiritual future for them an ultimate sacrifice for Hashem. When King Ahashverosh initially saw her, when she began to approach him in complete humility, this is the time when it came, the time for her to expose to him who she really was, that she was a Jewish girl, and she came to him to ask that he should take away that decree of killing the Jewish people. Mordecai was the one that really told her, you have to go, you have to go. And she didn't want to go because if she would go on her own accord, then she could never come back to Mordecai. But Mordecai said to her, the Jewish people are going to be saved regardless if you save them or you don't save them because they themselves are doing teshuva and they themselves they are being asked to convert to the Persian religion and they prefer to die than to be Persian. So because of their mesirat nefesh, their own self-sacrifice, they're going to be saved but you were born for this day. You were born to go to Berosh and plead for the Jewish people. This is why you came to this world and you should not give away that that opportunity. So when she approaches him she has asked the Jewish people to to to, uh, fast and to pray and to do Teshuvah already, when she comes to him, she comes to him in a humble way, she comes bended, she comes not regal but very humble and she sees grace in her. The interesting thing is that he extends his scepter to her and the Alter Rebbe in a mimer explains that this scepter this whole analogy of her going to the king is the analogy of the Jew approaching God and how we should approach God. So in this world we live in a world of exile we live in a world of galut of darkness in which there is no light the only light that is in this world is the light we create with our actions when we do kind and loving deeds when we learn torah and we do mitzvot we bring light to the world But otherwise, it's a dark, dark world. So in this world, we are only able to receive the rays of godliness. There's one thing is godliness and another thing is God. Godliness is when we feel God, when we feel the radiance of God, when we can perceive Him, but we really don't see God. For example, in this world that we are in exile, in Galut, God gives us a tasting of God in Shabbat and in the Yom Tov. In these days, we come to experience a little bit of God, a little tasting of the world to come. But really, we don't really taste it. We just have a little tasting of it. It's like when you go to a wine and cheese uh, event and they give you a little tasting of every wine and of every cheese but you don't get to really experience all of them. This is similar in our world we don't get to experience all of it but we get a tes- tasting so we have a little flavor of it so we are yearning for it so we want it so eventually when messiah comes we are going to experience hashem we're going to bask in him so this is the 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 analogy of her touching the scepter is that she really received that uh, the god the godly part not the godliness but god god himself she could feel god so here we see also that the whole story of Purim is the transformation of darkness into light and that's the purpose of a Jew. We're thrown into this world, we're put in a body, we have a godly soul, we have an animal soul, we have a very complicated composition and they're throwing us into this world and they tell us when we're born, be righteous and not be wicked and that's all the free will we have is to choose to be good And we come into this world and everybody's put into a journey. Some are uh, journeys of, of many people together. Some journeys are personal. But in a certain way, every journey is a personal journey which Hashem really is guiding the journey. Even though you might feel that sometimes you're lost and nobody's taking care of you, He's right there with you. He's carrying you. He's pushing you. He's taking your hand. He's going in front of you but he's always there you just have to taste that radiance you have to feel that ray in your life And how do you feel it when you go with the flow, when you go with His plan? The problem is that His plan is not your plan. So when you make His plan your plan and you go and you see, you know what, I'm stuck in the airport, I don't know why I'm stuck and the plane is 8 hours delayed and I don't see why I'm here, but suddenly they call you, you know, there's somebody very sick and you sit down and do uh, Psalms for this person. Okay, you have 8 hours of nothing take your sample out and start doing the healing for that person. Maybe the whole purpose of you being stuck in that airport is to pray for somebody else. Like the Baal Shem Tov said so a person can come into this world for a hundred years to do a favor to one person. Maybe that's our purpose. So We don't know, but at the end of the day, like I said in a class today, like whenever Hashem puts an opportunity in front of you, every time He puts a mitzvah in front of you, just run and do it. Don't wait, because then doubt starts coming into you, a man starts coming into you, and you won't end up doing it, because you get lazy. So every time you have an opportunity for goodness, just run, don't think about it, just go and do it, like the Nike slogan, go and do it. So here we see that, the, that, the, that our purpose in life is to transform the darkness into light, and this is the story of Esther, how she was able, one woman, was able to sacrifice her life for the Jewish people, and I mean really sacrifice her life, because after the Jewish people were saved, she could never come out of that palace. She had to be stuck with this king for the rest of her life and she died being the queen of Persia. She could never go back to Mordechai. So she really sacrificed her life. And from here we learn that self-sacrifice is what Hashem wants from us. And maybe we will never be given, God forbid, these, uh, these trials, that Esther had to go through. We will never be asked to sacrifice our existence, but in a certain way, in an individual way, Hashem does want to us to sacrifice that animalistic urge that we have inside of us that animalistic desire to pleasure and self aggrandizement and selfishness and egocentricity, he wants us to sacrifice that and be there for others, be there for Hashem do things for others and this is Esther, this is what she represents so each one of us has a Haman inside of us, Haman came from Amalek and Amalek means doubt in Gematria and um, and he's there to fool us to give us the opportunity to do good he's there for a purpose and then we each one of us has a more the high inside of us has a godly neshama, has a part of us that wants to connect to the truth wants to connect to god wants to do what's good and then we have esther which is that mesirat nefesh is that self-sacrifice that it is in our dna we do have that a capacity in our lives to give ourselves for others and for Hashem so I want to wish you a haksameah happy Purim know that your life matters that you are very precious in the God, in the eyes of God and that you're very important because you have a purpose that nobody else can fulfill so I wish you a haksameah and live a little higher thank you